Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Hammer right over there. The U.S. military, again, breaking news earlier this afternoon, shot down a what they're calling a high-altitude object flying over Alaskan airspace. And the object was flying at about 40,000 feet. Def- uh, U.S. military saying it posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. We don't know what this object was. We don't know if it had wings. We don't know if it was another balloon. They're not saying right now at this point. Can I get 50 bucks on aliens? <laughs> I was just going to say. I want a piece of the action. alien. I want a 50 bucks on aliens. <laughs> I think it's a good bet. Let's go to the drivehuber.com hotline and bring on Tommy Piggott. He's the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, we got a lot of things that we want to ask you about, but this breaking news that the United States has shot down some sort of object over Alaska. Uh, just your initial thoughts. Well, my initial thoughts are, you know, kind of actually reminds me of the last object in the sense of we were told it was necessary to let the object enter, the balloon enter U.S. airspace travel across the entire country, and then we could only shoot it down when it left. So, you know, kind of putting aside whether this is aliens or whatever this object is, I think it kind of re-ups questions that people had about how Biden handled the balloon. Did they say, if this is a Chinese object, was it sent because the last object gained so much intelligence on the United States? Why did they let the balloon travel through the United States? So I think it actually raises further questions and pokes a lot of holes in the excuses Biden's been uh, giving the American people and how he handled the Chinese spy balloon. Do you, do you think we'd even know, the American public would even know about the, the first that, that, that Chinese balloon if it wasn't for a couple of guys out hunting in Montana or something like that? I mean, I, like that, that would have been a secret from us probably, right? I mean, we, we wouldn't know about that. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, they, they, they obviously, when they you know uh, first heard of this balloon, they tried to keep it secret from the American people. That, yes. that, that much has been reported. But then they acted like a balloon that was going to travel all the way from Montana to North Carolina wouldn't have been spotted by people. I mean, do they think people don't look up? I mean, it's just kind of beyond belief. you know. So I do think, though, to your point, they only told people, and this has again been reported, after it was going to be reported by the Billings Gazette. So I, I don't know if we would have known it. I think people would have looked up and seen it. But they definitely were trying to hide it as much as possible. And the thing we do know about this this latest uh, quote unquote object that was shot down flying over Alaskan airspace is that, or I guess what we don't know is where it's from. We don't know if it's Chinese or we don't know what it's from. But the one thing we do know is the Pentagon was uh, having a press conference and they said it was there was an indication that it was being manned by there was nobody in the object, but it was being manipulated by somebody somewhere. Which is was it's, it's it's troubling to me that that what, I mean what's going on? It's it, this is twice now in the past week that a foreign object has been shot down over the United States. I think that's part of why asking those questions before of why did this balloon, the first balloon, why was it allowed to cross the United States, yes. and did it encourage other bad actors? to try to try the same thing? Did it encourage people? Were they emboldened by Biden's weakness? Mm. I think that's an important question to ask. Again, we'll have a lot of questions either answered or not answered. And hopefully we'll get more information exactly about what the second object is. So I don't want to speculate too much, but right. I think it's reasonable to ask of if we were able to shoot down this object, why was the other object 
not dealt with earlier. I think it pokes a lot of holes in what Biden's been telling to the American people. It really shows Biden, once again, I think, to not being honest with the American people and claiming that he handled the balloon successfully when in reality he didn't. I, I think it raises a lot of questions that need to be answered. Tommy Piggott is the RNC Rapid Response Director joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. All right, on the subject of balloons and things that go up in the air, apparently the folks that are manning the border, the southern border of the United States, they had been using these blimps to kind of help do some surveillance so they can do the best they can with the crazy situation they've been put into. Well, now we're hearing that those blimps will be coming down soon. So correct me if I'm wrong here, Tommy. We've got a president that allowed a Chinese balloon to travel the country, but we're taking down our own at the border. I mean, I think wow. that's exactly right. I mean, it's it's easier to fly a balloon over U.S. territory if you're the Chinese government than if you're Border Patrol. That's sort of what we're learning here. I mean, Biden's more comfortable with the Chinese government using a balloon to spy on American citizens than Border Patrol using a balloon to stop illegal immigrants from entering this country. It's it's such a warped priority from this administration who, who gives a pass to China every single chance they get, is insisting on downplaying the Chinese spy balloon. Biden talks about what great friends he is with Xi Jinping every single chance that he gets. And meanwhile, the border's being overrun. They're taking resources from Border Patrol. They're not stopping deadly fentanyl from entering the United States, which, by the way, has its source. A lot of those raw materials are sourced from China. So it's such a backward, warped priority from this administration to allow Chinese spy balloons into this country but then take those same resources from Border Patrol when they're already strapped as much, uh, scrapped for as much as they are uh, for resources that deal with this crisis. I wonder, I don't know this for sure, but it troubling, one of the most troubling things about the border is not only the fentanyl that's free-flowing, but the gotaways, the um, you know million-plus gotaways over the past two years. Uh, the only reason we know about those gotaways is because of surveillance systems like these, right? That, 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 that Biden exactly wants to get right, rid yeah. of. That's exactly right. The 1.2 million illegal immigrant gotaways that have escaped into this country. 1.2 million. I mean, I, I sometimes when I, when, I, when I hear that number, you got to stop and think of the magnitude of that. And these are people that are actively trying to avoid law enforcement, right? It's not someone that accidentally happened across the border. These are people that are timing where they cross so that they can enter this country without being apprehended. So you can only assume what their motives are, and they're not good. Uh, and these, these types of equipment give us the scale of this crisis. I mean, I, not to speculate here, but one has to wonder, Biden from the beginning has been trying to cover up this border crisis. He's been downplaying the border crisis. He's blocked media outlets. He seems to think if he blocks access, if he blocks visuals, the crisis will go away. That's been his quote-unquote solution here. And one has to wonder if his continual effort to downplay and deny resources from Border Patrol is part of his effort to sweep this crisis under the rug, even as millions of people are crossing the border. Tommy, for somebody that's listening to our program today that doesn't follow the news as closely as we all do, maybe they don't watch the news every night, they're the casual observer. They just happen to turn on the radio. Why is what's happening at the border right now important to people living in states like ours, in cities like ours here in Indianapolis? Well, it's important because of the massive amount of, first of all, fentanyl that's crossing the border. I mean, in every single community around the country, we're seeing a massive uptick of fentanyl. It's actually the number one killer of young Americans is fentanyl overdoses. Wow. And that's how much it's impacting this country. And that affects every single community from, from Southern California to Northern Maine. I mean, every single community is being impacted by this. And the second 
It's because of the massive drain on resources that such a massive influx of people creates. And it's not just the border. The problem is the border cannot sustain this level of migration. That's why we're actually seeing in cities across the country mayors saying, we can't sustain it. In northern cities like New York, Chicago, massive cities with huge amounts of infrastructure are unable to sustain this massive influx. And what that's actually going to ultimately lead to is resources that are being devoted to this problem but not solving this problem. It's a massive drain on local municipalities. We're seeing a massive influx of drugs and crime fueled by the cartel over the border, and it's affecting every single person in this country. So, yes, we want to be uh, 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 thoughtful about people crossing the border in search of a better life, but this is the exact wrong way to do it. We need to secure the border. We need to stop the cartels, and we need to stop drugs from coming into this country. It's funny, during the State of the Union address, I didn't hear word one about the border from Joe Biden, but he did mention the fentanyl crisis and that's when all hell broke loose <laughs> there uh in the chamber uh what did you i mean that was a self own from biden was we need to do something about this fentanyl crisis and and and, and whoever shouted it's your fault is technically he was right well, and I think that's where the media got this so backward, trying to blame Republicans for speaking up. I think millions yeah. of Americans were, were angry when they heard that. Yes. I think millions of Americans were screaming at their televisions that were watching this. Biden refusing to identify the root of the problem, which is his massive border crisis, the, the deadly synthetic illegal fentanyl that's being smuggled over the border at record rates. That is what is causing this crisis. And for Biden to go out there and act like that's not what's causing this crisis, it's, it's really <laughs> insulting. So I'm glad the Republican members yeah. are, are, are really holding Biden accountable. Enough's enough here. We need to secure this border. We need to stop these drugs from, from killing so many young people. Was that embarrassing for Joe Biden? Or is this something you're going to see the Democrats try to fundraise off of. Oh, look at those loose cannon, extreme MAGA Republicans over there. They have no civility. They're booing during the State of the Union. Is that the angle they're going to take? Or is Joe Biden thinking, man, I just got booed off the stage at my own speech? <laughs> He's not thinking that. I mean, I, I think he, I, he should be thinking that because I it know. was a terrible speech. Uh, if, if there was any, uh, if he was you know, able to really look at things in a, in a way that that was truthful. But I think the, they are trying to fundraise on it. They're trying to twist it. They're trying to say, you know, that this was inappropriate. I think ultimately, though, what is the the, the root pro, uh, problem of this, the root cause of this problem, was Biden going up there and lying about so many things. Biden going up there and refusing to mention so many things, twisting the facts. And when the media talks about decorum, when they talk about politeness, to me, the rudest thing that could be done is for Joe Biden to use the biggest stage a president has and directly lie to the American people. That, in my mind, if they want to talk about rudeness, that's rude. That's inappropriate for him to use that stage to so manipulate the facts in such a dishonest way. Uh, and I think he should be called out more for that. So I think they are trying to fundraise on it, but I think they should be careful about it because he was not telling the truth. Well, I think Kevin McCarthy should have pulled a Pelosi and tore up the speech right after he was done with it. I mean, come on. Well, if we're going to. hypocrisy from the left. No right? kidding. I mean, they're, like, they're talking about decorum, and she literally ripped up a speech. I, I, I mean, if you think back to that, she also was saying back then there wasn't a single word that she agreed with in that speech. But think about what was in that speech. Money for veterans, honoring veterans, right. and he still ripped yeah. it up. I mean, it, it was, that was beyond the pale, and it shows, once again, Democrats are complete hypocrites on this. Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, as always, we appreciate you joining us here in Indy. Hey, thanks for having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And again, we are following this story that, according to the Department of Defense, an F-22, a United States military jet, shot down an object 
And that's what it's being called, an object over Alaska. It was hovering at approximately 40,000 feet. It fell all the way to the ground on top of the frozen waters below. The White House claims they have been following this for 24 hours. And that's pretty much all we know at this point. They said the military saying because of the altitude, it was flying 40,000 feet. That posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight, which makes me wonder about the Chinese balloon that the military shot down over the weekend. Would that not be considered a, a danger to civilian flight? I mean, I, I think it was, I think it was higher. It was, six, it was like 60. Was it 60,000 yeah. feet the whole time? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Commercial airlines don't don't fly that high, I guess. But still, I mean, uh, it's it's really bizarre. I to me, I'm I'm. It's weird that our militaries now had to shoot down two separate objects. One we knew it was a spy balloon from the Chinese, and another one we don't know what it is. This thing over Alaska. Twice in a week now. Twice in a week. Now, there's already some tinfoil hat stuff going on on social media, isn't it? I love our listeners. Randy writes in, what are the chances that we put the object in the air to only to shoot it down to make Biden look good after last week's fiasco? Or maybe that nothing was really shot down at all. I'll bring it on. I'm here for all of this, man. I am totally here for all of this, whether it's that or we brought this up earlier, Nige. You had a great call. Maybe it was aliens. What if this was an alien? How awesome would that be? Like, in this country, what do you think would be a bigger story on Sunday? We shot down an alien or it's Super Bowl Sunday? <laughs> I'd be close, actually. I yeah. still think Super Bowl yeah. Sunday, 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 Sunday is a bigger story. That's how no, much no, no. we love it. Um, but that's that's really all we know. There was It was not a manned flight in terms of... It didn't look like... Uh, they said there was not a, like a human being inside this object. But they said it did look like it was being manipulated somewhere from someone. It had um, writing on it that said, totally not a spy satellite. <laughs> Legitimate weather balloon is what it said on it, I believe. It said, please don't shoot. <laughs> Just a friendly, non-spying weather balloon with the Chinese flag on it. So we'll gather more intel on this. We'll have the latest on what the U.S. military calls a shooting down of an object and bigger stories happening here in Indianapolis. That's coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Oh, 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 boy. Uh-oh. You never know what you're going to walk into on a Friday. We had every intention of just having some beers, having some fun like we normally do. Next thing you know, we got stuff being shot out of the sky. So let's not waste any time. Let's check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. Yeah. I got hairy legs. <laughs> We're going to have economic intercourse. <laughs> you, know the, you know the thing. Apparently, Joe Biden gave the military the thumbs up to uh, shoot down this quote-unquote object that was flying over Alaskan airspace earlier this afternoon. Gave him that, you know, th- you know, thumbs up, go for it. 
Uh, and apparently, I guess Millie did too. <laughs> so the last time Joe Biden said shoot it down, Millie was like, I don't want you to wait on that. No. Uh, so, <laughs> that was his response. No. So the military uh, earlier this afternoon shot down an object flying over Alaskan airspace. They'd been tracking it for 24 hours. Um, it was flying at like 40,000 feet, and they said it posed a risk to civilian flight. We don't know the origin of the object. We don't know yeah, where it came from or what its intentions were. Don't know anything about it. We but don't know what the object is. We don't know what it is. I mean, we knew the you know the Chinese spy balloon. We know everything about that. But we don't know what this is, where it's from, what it was trying to do. And they said it was about the size of a car. Like the Chinese spy balloon was the size, what did they say, like three buses? Yeah, the big balloon that got shot down last weekend was three school buses. This one, they're saying, was the size of a small car. Why do they always use vehicles to compare the sizes? It would be interesting if they had a different form of measurement. The Pentagon announces they've shot down an object the size of six fat guys. (laughs) The... The Chinese spy balloon was the size of 80 horses. <laughs> right. Mix it up a little bit. Give us some different units of measurement. Make it fun. That's all we're asking. Uh, so, obviously, uh, we'll uh, keep an eye out on this um, for the rest of the show. They said the object came crashing back down and landed on, like, the frozen waters below. So, it didn't go into the water because everything was frozen up there. So, they're going to go do some recon and see if they can get any information. Uh, we found out earlier today, Nige, that what's kind of become a Super Bowl tradition will not happen this year. Oh, no. Joe Biden will not be oh. doing an interview before the Super Bowl. I know your whole Sunday is ruined now. There's not even a point of watching the game it's, anymore. It's because it's on Fox, isn't it? Right. And because I remember when Bill O'Reilly interviewed Obama, that got a little bit heated. That was interesting. That right. was, I think... Um, I think this would have been great TV, actually. I think it would have been an opportunity for Joe Biden to, to get in front of a lot of people. And I can't believe he's he's not doing it. Since 2009, for the most part, every year, the president has spoken with somebody from the media, you know, whoever has the football game on their air that night, they've spoken with somebody from the press. Now, Donald Trump did not participate in 2018 with NBC News, but he did the other years. And again, this went back to 2009, but apparently Joe Biden didn't want Brett Baer to be having a conversation with him. Now, Brett Baer... I mean, if you can't handle Brett Baer... Right. He's a pretty fair guy. Well, that's the other thing. It's not like it's Tucker Carlson that would be interviewing Biden. Right. It's it's Brett Baer, one of the more, um, I guess, shall you say, objective reporters there, anchors on Fox. He's a news guy. Yes. And again, people need to understand the difference from your opinion hosts and your news people. We have a news department here. Nigel and I are opinion hosts. Same with Rob and Casey and Tony. But for those of you who feel like, man, we're really missing out, I want you to close your eyes right now and visualize this is what it would sound like if Brett Baer did interview Joe Biden. Oh. Uh, how do you see this playing out right now uh, with what Putin is saying and doing? You ain't black. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's like you're there, isn't it? We're missing out on that on Sunday. That's kind of a bummer. I mean, uh, maybe it's a 
blessing in disguise. <laughs> the State of the Union address got miserable ratings, didn't it? It did. And the only one lower in the last 30 years Jeez. was the previous one <laughs> that Joe Biden oh, did. Yeah. But hey, 80 plus million people hitched their wagon to that guy. Now, nobody wants to watch any of his speeches. His approval ratings are in the toilet. Everybody laughs at him. He falls up and down the stairs all the time. May or may not have pooped his pants on a foreign trip. But <laughs> 80 million people hitched their wagon to Joe Biden. And if you think otherwise, well, you're going to get kicked off of social media. Earlier today, our president was speaking about the Recovery Act. Okay. And uh, granted, in the beginning, it was uh, we didn't have a we didn't have unanimity in what to do, but we passed a little thing that was about a trillion eight hundred billion dollars called the Recovery Act, and it pulled an awful lot of people out of real deep trouble. Most of you were in situations, not all were in situations where your revenues were drying up because of the pandemic. Things were shutting down. You're having to lay off first responders, teachers, nurses, doctors, etc. And uh, we were able to get across the board for Democrats and Republicans uh, an awful lot of uh, immediate help. Oh, that's great. A little thing that was a trillion, 800 billion called the Recovery Act. That's wrong. That's not what the Recovery Act was. Yeah, Joe Biden is talking about the CARES Act. And if you think about it, if you ever get confused, the C in the CARES Act literally stands for coronavirus. <laughs> the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. That's what the CARES Act was. So why did he call it the Recovery Act? Well, because that's what happened under the Obama-Biden administration back in 2009 as a response to the recession. Again, oh, okay. this dude's getting his, you know, deals and acts mixed up, which happens when you get older. I mean, when you're damn near 80 years old, you're not going to be as sharp as you were a number of years ago, but he's the president. You have to get this kind of stuff right. And it just goes to show what kind of decline this dude is going down right now. Also... <laughs> And this is how Joe Biden is right now. Before he talked about what should have been the CARES Act, this was how he walked into the room. I told Governor Murphy once, every time I hear the president of the United States look around and say, where the hell is he? Coming. Uh, I, I told Governor Murphy that whenever I hear the president's here, I say, where the hell is he? <laughs> This is the commander-in-chief of our United States military. This is the president. 80 million people apparently said, that's my guy. I don't care if he knows the difference between one act that happened recently and one that happened almost a decade ago. I'm going to hitch my wagon to that guy. Oh, my goodness. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? And as always, keeping an eye on this story out of Alaska, the military shooting down a quote-unquote object flying over Alaskan airspace. It said that was a threat to safety of civilian flights. We'll have updates, as always, at the bottom and top of every hour uh, here on 93 WIBC. Hammer, how do we play Is This Anything? I'll run some other stories by you. Right. These aren't main headline makers. These are things you'll see on the back page, but I'm curious if you think these are anything or not. Is this anything? 
A Michigan police officer and his partner are getting praise after offering a hug and some words of encouragement for a man pulled over on the side of the road who was feeling overwhelmed by life. Uh, Here are Deputy Jacob and Deputy Fred interacting with the man. So what can I do for you today? Do you, do you, you say you don't want to hurt yourself, right? No. Is there anything I can do to help you? Use a hug. I'll give you a hug. <laughs> Seems uh, like you got a lot going on, man. It's all right. It's all right, man. It seems like a lot to take on, you know. Dude, we can give you some. We can get you some help. Yeah, we can get you somebody to talk to and stuff. If you ever need anything, you just call, right? Means a lot. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. I think that's an amazing piece of just humanity, right there. And this is the kind of stuff that doesn't get highlighted by mainstream media i mean that that guy who knows what that poor guy was going through sounded like he was in bad shape you never know what somebody's going through in their personal lives so what happened was other drivers had seen this guy pulled over to the side of the road and it looked like he was kind of passed out so they called the police and they did a wellness check on this guy and he was driving into work apparently and just had to pull over because he was feeling so down and, and needed a break and uh, kudos to those officers I yeah, hope that guy you know obviously whatever he was dealing with I hope that gets better and um, and that's what's you know being a police officer is all about that's what being a human being is all about I'm so cynical and I have such a sour taste in my mouth for society sometimes <laughs> that I could totally see this guy like a year from now filing a suit against the police department the officer touched me inappropriately <laughs> Because that's the kind of crap that happens well, in society now. Well, he was hugging now. me. He pinched my tuchus. He ran his finger through my hair and gave me a wet willy, and <laughs> I, I really felt scared and intimidated. By the way, do people still give wet willies? Is that a thing now? My dad is dead to me all the time. Oh, they're nuts. so gross, yeah. aren't they? Allison, what was the last time you were the recipient <laughs> or the giver of a wet willy? Uh, not since middle school. Yeah, yeah. My sister and I. Were you the giver or the taker? Oh, I was the giver. I was the older Good sister. for you. <laughs> I was the yeah. older sister, yeah. Boss woman. I like it. All right. Is this anything? A TikTok psychic could be facing a large judgment after ignoring a big defamation lawsuit. She falsely accused a University of Idaho professor of being involved in those murders of the four college students. Really? This is TikTok star Ashley Gullard, a.k.a. Ashley Solves Mysteries, <laughs> talking about why she decided to blow off the defamation suit. I was working on a daily basis on my answer to the lawsuit regarding the murder of the four University of Idaho students. I wanted to detail what exactly happened. So I'm digging into my spiritual right brain to write that part. And I'm digging into my left brain to learn about the laws and how to respond to this lawsuit. Literally 30 some pages in. But because everything is happening at the same time, I was unable to answer within a 21 day period and therefore defaulted on the lawsuit. <laughs> What a weirdo. Sounds to me like she's planning a, a an insanity defense. <laughs> Ashley plead, solves plead, mysteries. Plead insanity. She sounds like a doofus. Hire a lawyer. Uh, that's what you get for being a, a TikTok star, a psychic on TikTok. Oh, yeah, the Idaho professor. He's the one that did it. Wow. How could he even go on any social media platform and say that? Who's more disappointing? I mean, Ashley Solves Mysteries or the people that follow Ashley Solves Mysteries that made her a star in the first place? Right. It's, I guess I use the term star very loosely. 
in this case. And when I hear the words TikTok star, I immediately hear me rolling my eyes through the airwaves. Wow. TikTok star from Nigel Lights Farts, <laughs> Nigel Laskowski. <laughs> I mean, I think we're throwing the word star one. around a little too Dude, loosely. I think we could. No, I think I'd be a bigger star than TikTok and <laughs> the psychic here. That would get some followers for sure. Last one. Is this anything? There's a YouTube channel called Just Rolled In, and they posted a montage of mechanics quoting the sounds that customers say their car is making. Here's a little uh, montage, including somebody saying that a gas filler hole was making farter noises. Customer states, my vehicle sounds like an elephant. <laughs> it really does. Customer states, whenever I roll the driver window down, it sounds like somebody screaming. <laughs> Customer states, truck sounds like a snare drum. <laughs> I love this. Customer states their vehicle is making farted noises. <laughs> this yes, is something, this right? is something. It's hilarious. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. What up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Jason Hammer's here. My name is Nigel. Uh... Joe Biden got permission from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, to uh, give the okay to, <laughs> to shoot down a high-altitude object flying over Alaskan airspace earlier this afternoon. We don't know what the object is. We don't know if it had wings. We don't know where it's from. We don't know what it was capable of doing or what it was doing. We know the military had been tracking it. Uh, for the past 24 hours, and when it entered into the uh, United States airspace, they took it down because they said it was a threat to the safety of a civilian flight. I, what I'm not clear on is if the Pentagon knows what this object is and they're just not telling us, or they don't know what it is. And, and, and if that's the case, it's stop calling it an object. Stop, start calling it a UFO. Oh, here we go, baby. Let's go. I'm here for the UFO stuff. So I mean, you're going to look me in the eyes, and you're going to tell me this might not be the Chinese. This is Alf. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's any number of roads we could go down with this thing. Um, the uh, uh, response director, the RNC, Tommy Pickett, who was on with us uh, earlier, had made a good point that maybe this is um, maybe this is another. Uh, in response to how the United States dealt with the Chinese spy balloon. Right. So they put another one out there, perhaps. Yeah, but we don't know where this object is from. And, uh, of course, we'll keep you up to date on all the, the latest news on what happened over Alaska. But you got to think, this is they had a lot of action with our military shooting down stuff in our own airspace over the past week. If you're in the Air Force, or maybe it was the Navy fighter pilots, I don't know, but if you're a fighter pilot... This is what you live for, right? You finally get the call to shoot yeah. something out of the sky. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine that happens very often. I don't think it does at all. 
right. shooting stuff out of the sky. Imagine you're the guy that gets the call. All right, Maverick, get up there and get that thing out of here. <laughs> Hell you yeah, man. Be, Let's go. The adrenaline's got to be flowing. Right. Uh, so at least this wasn't allowed to traverse the entire continental United States before they shot it down. Two hillbillies in Montana didn't discover this one. <laughs> Our actual air defense system did. So it feels like we're making some progress here, Nige. Um, Fetterman's not okay. Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, not okay. He was the guy that suffered the stroke and by all reports, came back way too soon because he was in a very tight Senate race with Dr. Oz. Yeah, we were just talking about this yesterday. He was admitted to the hospital recently for being lightheaded. And um, by all accounts, I don't think he was following doctor's orders to begin with in the first place by running for United States Senate. And there's not a lot of coverage of this on the news networks. But surprisingly, and I will give credit where credit is due, the New York Times, of all people, have been at the front and center of this Fetterman story because he's still in the hospital. He was taken into the hospital a couple of days ago for, quote, feeling lightheaded at a DNC retreat. Well, he's still there. And this is from the New York Times in regards to Fetterman's health. Quote, he has had to come to terms with the fact that he may have set himself back permanently by not taking the recommended amount of rest during the campaign, yeah. and he continues to push himself in ways that people close to him worry are detrimental to him. This is exactly what we were saying yesterday. He doesn't, you know, you have a stroke. You don't have the capability to understand what people are saying sometimes. You don't have the capability to speak in a coherent, clear manner. And his team and his wife pushed him. And it's Keep disgusting. Going. Keep going. Keep going. You'll be fine. Keep going. You're Here, going to win. Here's a little bit more from that New York Times article, and this gives you kind of an idea of what's going on with Fetterman. Quote, when it's bad, Mr. Fetterman has described it as trying to make out the muffled voices of the teacher in the Peanuts cartoon, whose words oh, could never be deciphered. So he's hearing oh. that wah, 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 yeah. wah, wah. But this is a United States senator. This is one of the 100 most powerful people in the United States. And his staff throughout that entire campaign said, he's fine. He's going to be okay. His wife kept pushing him and saying, he's going to be fine. These people were so power hungry, they've pushed him to the point to where he may never recover. Uh, and all the while, he kept on telling us he was fine. Or his family did, or his staff did, whatever. What he? I mean, he was posting pics in the hospital when he first had his stroke. Oh, I'll be, I'll, I'll be fine. Right, I'm fine. And now you're telling me that when it gets bad, like I was just saying, and like the article said, you can't, you don't have the ability to understand what people are saying, and you don't have the ability to clearly communicate. And if you think about it. There was a debate between Fetterman and Oz, and prior to that debate, an NBC reporter named Dasha Burns, she had a sit-down interview with Fetterman in his home, and she reported on the air, hey, this guy needs a teleprompter, he needs somebody to like decipher the questions, yeah. his answers didn't make sense, and she was raked over the coals. She was called an ableist and everything else. Here, take a listen. This is Dasha Burns reporting truthfully on NBC about Fetterman. 
I will tell you, I sat down with him at his home back in May before the stroke. This was very different, including literally what the setup looked like. You'll hear him talk in just a moment as I preview some of our conversation about needing closed captioning for this interview. Uh, we had a monitor set up so that he could read my questions because he still has lingering auditory processing issues as a result of the stroke, which means he has a hard time understanding what he's hearing. Now, once he reads the question, he's able to understand. You'll hear he also still has some uh, problems, some challenges with speech. And I'll say, Katie, that just in some of the small talk prior to uh, the interview before the closed captioning was up and running, it did seem that uh, he had a hard time understanding our our conversations. Everything the New York Times just mentioned right there in a recent article they were talking about months ago. Fetterman's wife wanted her fired. Fetterman's wife wanted Dasha Burns removed from her job for reporting the truth. And you're 100% right, Nigel. The New York Times just confirmed basically everything that Dasha said. And everything we were talking about yesterday. He should not have been out there. He should have been resting and recuperating. And he set himself back, as the Times says, permanently. His health has been set back permanently by not taking the recommended amount of rest during the campaign. And the DNC pushed him to this point. Oh, His yeah. wife pushed him to this point because they were so power thirsty to have another vote in the Senate because they wanted to try to codify Roe and do everything else. They were so thirsty, they damn near killed this guy. And now it doesn't look like he's ever going to be 100%. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. And Allison, cue it up. We have a hypocrisy alert. Ooh. Haven't had one of these in a while. Bill Gates, he's kind of a nerd. He's kind of wealthy. Kind of fat. He's getting there. He's getting there. He's a little pudgy. I'm not one to call somebody fat, though. <laughs> Neither am I. I am fine. <laughs> I can make fun. I are one. <laughs> uh, Bill Gates claims that his private jet habit is not part of the climate issues oh, right now. Why? Uh, the New York Post, quote, Bill Gates has four private jets. Four. According okay. to a study from Lenius University economics professor Stefan Bilgas, Gates flies on private jets. He's created 1,760 tons of CO2. That's nearly 109 <laughs> times higher than the U.S. per capita emissions. But he, in a speech the other night, says that his private jet habits are not part of the climate problem because he's using these jets to spread the word of how other people can help. And because he, he says he invests into fighting climate change with money. He pays, basically, is what he's saying. Is that how because, it works? Because I have money, and because I inv invest in clean air technology, I'm allowed to pollute the earth. So it's, if you pay, like, the uh, the finder's fee, you can do all the polluting you want. Is that my understanding? He, I mean, seriously. I have money. I can do what I want. You plebes that uh, earn an average wage, you have to suffer. You have to get rid of your gas stoves. You have to get rid of uh, um, meat. You know, you, you you have to do all these crazy things. But because I'm rich and have billions, and I'm allowed to fly on private jets. It's the way these elites think. 
It's not just Bill about Gates. Us. No, it's it's Al Gore. It's Frank and Kerry. It's Bernie Sanders. It was the Obamas. The Obamas told us that hey, better not live on the coast because that's going to be water pretty soon. Where did he move? Martin's the coast. <laughs> Went to the damn coast. It's the whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Emmer and Nigel show. We got a little booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. So so the gist of this story is that Oregon Liquor Board executives held back the best allocated bourbons for themselves. Listen to this. This 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 will get you uh, this if I lived in Oregon I'd be pissed. Top Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission officials, including top-level managers and the agency's longtime executive director, kept popular booze, including Pappy Van Winkle... The Pappy! ...for themselves, diverting it from the public. No! It's a long-standing practice with these people, according to documents within the agency, of reserving bottles of the most popular bourbon, Pappy Van Winkle, for multiple employees, including... um, <laughs> including some recently ousted executives that, that got fired. So, so Pappy Van, I mean, it's impossible to find. It's it's a really expensive. I think it's what like it's it's a few hundred dollars a bottle, but you can get them online. There's old. I mean, they're worth thousands of dollars, right? Uh, on eBay, the more aged you have, I think my neighbor has a bottle actually. Scott in the movie Bastard The Internship. Won't, won't that's <laughs> what uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson would crack open to celebrate the pappy. Yeah, so but that's it's a really rare, hard to find bourbon, and these liquor board executives were holding it back for themselves. Oh, that's just the weasels. It's bad enough your people have to live in Oregon and deal with all of your liberal bullcrap. They need to keep the good booze away from them, too. Maybe that's why they riot all the time. Maybe that's why all those windows get broke (laughs) and see, you know, in Portland and places like that. I don't know. But, man, that's that's harsh. We have time for another booze news here? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, Gen Z now has a new mixed drink, and they're calling it a Borg, B-O-R-G, Borg. Okay. Half gallon of water, vodka, and flavoring, all mixed into a plastic gallon jug, you know, for for convenience. Sure. Here's a uh, TikTok from a Gen Z star. Uh, with it, with the Borg recipe. First, you need a gallon of water. You want to pour out about half of it. Now it's time to add your liquor. Today we're using Tito's vodka. I put in probably like a third. The final real step in making a Borg is to add your Mia or some Crystallite. And then lastly, because it's only 1 p.m., we're going to add some liquid IV so we don't get hungover at midnight. I shake it all up. Taste test. It's really good. Wow. Why that's, is it called a Borg? I don't know, but that's that's alcoholism at its finest right there. <laughs> it's one o'clock, so I put in some IV, uh, IV nutrients so I won't be hungover. Yeah, on this show, well, it's one o'clock. We better put some more vodka in it. I'm trying to <laughs> figure out if that sounds good or not. We, we might have to try this one day for beer sample. She said she put in a third of the vodka. Yeah. Uh, the bottle. Ugh. I don't know. Now, now, look, I will say those crystal light 
little mixing packs, those powders. Yes. We have some in the office. I mix it up all, all the time, a water bottle. Those are really good. Yes, they are. But mixing vodka and water. If there's a bartender in this city, and I'm not going to call you a mixologist, you're a freaking bartender. <laughs> if there's a bartender in the city that can make a good Borg, look it up, make a good Borg. Let us know. I mean, we'll bring you in the studio. We'll make some Borgs together. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. It sounds like a drink you'd make at the Indy 500, quite frankly. Get a big jug, yeah. you know, snake pit juice and Borg, and yeah. just pass it around to everybody. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Big news this afternoon. The military shot down a, a quote-unquote high-altitude object flying over Alaskan airspace. They'd been tracking it for about the past 24 hours and then uh, once it entered Alaskan airspace they decided it posed a threat to civilian flight because it was moving at about 40,000 feet decided to shoot it down Joe Biden got permission from uh, the Joint Chiefs <laughs> and uh, he gave the thumbs up and shot it down I love our commander in chief is like you know like asking for permission now <laughs> I mean well you know what happened with the Chinese spy balloon he told Millie to sh- shoot it down and Millie's like eh well we want you wait on that pops we'll wait a few days on that <laughs> And then they shot it down and let it traverse the continental United States until it got to Myrtle Beach, and they shot it down there. Which, by the way, they found the contents of the you know the payload for that Chinese spy balloon. Now we don't know what this new object is, or where it was from, or how fast it was going. They implied that it was not manned. Um, there was no human being in it. Joe Dirt was not was, inside. But what I gleaned from that press conference with the Pentagon was that someone was manipulating it somewhere, but they don't know who, they don't know where, they don't know what it is. And I, again, I'm still not clear on if the, the military doesn't know what it is, and that's why they're calling it an object, or uh, if that's the case, it's a UFO, Right. Right. Well, I, they, they know what it is. They know what it is. They just have to make sure before they officially announce it is that it is. You they, know what I'm saying? They, There's a very good chance this is something from China. On, it depends on what the meaning of the word is. <laughs> is. is. Um, but, yeah, we, we don't know where it's from. And, uh, and the, the thing is, they responded just like that. They they didn't they didn't mess around this time with this thing because it was flying at a lower altitude than the the balloon was, forty thousand feet. That's like uh, aircraft territory, right? Right. Now this is twenty thousand feet lower than the one previously that made its way the across the United balloon. States. The one that got shot down off the coast of South Carolina. Oh, we do know they describe the object as the size of a small car. Okay. So we got we got cars flying in the air. <laughs> like we don't know if it had wings. But I'm pretty sure the military, I mean... They know what it is, let's be honest. So, you know me, I'm a betting guy, right? So I'm going to run this by you, Naj. If you had to pick that it was something from China or literally anything else, what would you bet? Oh, China, for sure. me too. Testing us again. Right. All right, this is how they responded to our balloon flying over uh, with the spy equipment. Let's see how they respond to this object. So we'll have more on this story as it develops. But again, United States military shoots down 
an object 40,000 feet flying along the Alaska coastline. And uh, if we find out what it is or where it's from, we'll bring that to you. And I got to tell you, it's it's a bit disturbing to me that this is the second time this has happened over the course of a week, the United States and the Navy and the Air Force having to shoot down foreign objects. I'm glad they did it, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad they did it. I don't want this thing to do the exact same thing and go across the country again. Joe, are you going to shoot that down? It's over land. What do you want me to do? <laughs> shoot it down, <laughs> dummy. There were plenty of chances to shoot down the balloon before it was over. Sure there was. Uh, the, the, the islands there in Alaska. It, it, it was basically the same place. Eh, maybe a little bit northeastern, northeast of of Alaska. This new object I'm talking about. The whole well, excuse, whatever. the whole excuse of well, it was over land, we couldn't shoot it down is bullcrap. Because I promise you, had that been a plane that they knew was trying to crash into the Pentagon or the White House, they would have shot it down over New York City if they had to. Yeah. So the whole excuse was garbage to begin with. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, let's shift gears because we've got some very interesting vaccine stuff. Pharmacies. <laughs> antibodies. <laughs> side effects. <laughs> vaccine stuff. So Fauci, old flip-flopping Anthony Fauci, the face of uh, Trump's COVID response team, uh, apparently knew from the very beginning that the COVID jab, the vax, didn't prevent infection or transmission of COVID, which is weird because that's... You know, that's that's what I was told. I mean, he said the exact opposite to the American public when trying to push everybody to get the jab. As a matter of fact, on May 17th, 2021, Dr. Fauci, quote, when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they won't get infected. May 17th, 2021. But now he has this piece published in this highly prestigious medical journal. Yeah, it's a peer-reviewed journal basically saying uh, in a roundabout way in so many words that that we need new vaccines to deal with the problem. So I'm going to read you Fauci's exact words here because I don't want anybody to think that we're taking this out of context. Quote, as variant SARS-CoV-2 strains have emerged, deficiencies in these COVID vaccine reminiscent of influenza vaccines have become apparent. Past unsuccessful attempts to elicit solid protection against mucosal respiratory viruses and to control the deadly outbreaks and pandemics they cause have been a scientific and public health failure. He goes on to say, quote, we are excited and invigorated that many investigators and collaborative groups are rethinking from the ground up, all of our past assumptions and approaches to preventing important respiratory viral diseases and working to find bold new paths forward. Hmm. So with these words that I just read to you, that's basically Dr. Fauci admitting that the effort has failed completely. And, you know, I'm damn near 80 plus years old. So good luck to you guys. I'm wiping my hands free. (laughs) 
I mean, I feel like we knew this from the very beginning. Like it's it's being confirmed everything you and I said from the beginning about these vaccines um, was correct. They never. Uh, Doctor Burks, uh, Deb Burks, Deb. Part, she was actually leading the the COVID response team for Trump. Said it in her book in an interview uh, that she was doing promoting her book. Deborah Burks in her horrible book uh, <laughs> said they knew that it wasn't going to prevent transmission. It wasn't going to prevent infection. But that's not what they told us in the beginning. And they no. knew from the very beginning, and it didn't do that. Somebody's going to go to jail, man. Nobody's going to go to jail because that's how it works in this country. Just like we had those Twitter losers having that hearing in front of the oversight committee just the other day. They all admit they were wrong. They all admit they should not have censored the Hunter Biden laptop story. We got some good audio from Marjorie Taylor Greene. We got some in your face from Nancy Mace. But you know what? (laughs) That's all we're going to get. Nobody's going to jail. They got away with it. If they are willing to sit there and just take a little bit of trash talk from the committee members, then they can go home that night, get drunk, and know that they got away with it and helped change an election. Uh, he, he's not saying, by the way, that the, the vaccines, just to be clear, he, he, he's not saying that they were utterly worthless. Um, he's kind of describing this, again, in this peer-reviewed paper uh, in this journal that they're kind of like a, a pre-treatment, like a therapeutic Almost right. But basically, that's what Alex Berenson was uh, banned uh, the, when he got banned on Twitter, uh, and then sued Twitter, and eventually got back, uh, won that lawsuit and got back on. That's what he was saying. So it's, it's kind of like a therapeutic, a pre-treatment. Isn't it crazy that people who were viewed as conspiracy theorists around this time in you know 2021 or even late 2020, uh, you were viewed as a conspiracy theorist? We've got to kick you off of social media. It's funny how many of these people have been proven right. Alex Berenson won a lawsuit against Twitter. He got a settlement. And now, now he's suing Joe Biden and uh, Gottlieb and then I believe Slavitt and some of those good time party boys, uh, formerly the FDA. And uh, we'll see how that turns out. Nigel show on 93 WIBC. So far, nothing new to report uh, about what happened Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, earlier this afternoon when the military shot down an object flying over Alaskan airspace. Uh, they, there was a ruckus. There is a, and we can't describe the object or the ruckus. <laughs> They're not telling us what it was. We don't know if it had wings. Um, we don't know where it's from, but we do know that the military is tracking it over the last 24 hours. And once it entered Alaskan airspace at about 40,000 feet, they decided to take it out. Uh, Joe Biden gave the thumbs up, or I guess I should say he got permission from the Joint Chiefs uh, to give the thumbs up to, to uh, shoot it down. So we will have uh, more on that throughout the hour. We do have, if you loved craft beer, if you're a craft beer lover, you're going to love what we have for you in the next half hour, which is uh, um, a representative from the uh, the Brewers Indiana Guild. Julia. Julia Gulia. Brewers of Indiana Guild. I want to make sure and get that right. Julia, Julia Whitson. Yeah, Julia. She's the executive director. And they're uh, helping put on Winterfest out at the State Fair, which is the big, giant beer fest. You've been talking about this for a couple I, of I days. I know. I can't wait. I've never been. It's kind of shameful. 
actually. I've never been to one of these things where it's 85 breweries from across Indiana all pouring hundreds of different beers. And uh, me and my buddies are going tomorrow, so I'm excited. So if you like craft beer and you want to kind of get the behind the scenes, in-depth knowledge of of what's going on this weekend and if you're curious about even what the Brewers of Indiana Guild is, stick around. Uh, We're going to have a fun conversation. Now, Hammer, a new week, a new poll. Uh, It shows a dead heat, this poll, between former President Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Dead heat. So if you're keeping score at home, we've had one that had DeSantis up by 20%, one that had Trump up by 20%, and now a dead heat. (laughs) This, what is it, Monmouth? Monmouth. Uh, University says each candidate is supported by 33% of Republicans. I think, first of all, DeSantis hasn't said that he's going to run. I definitely think he's running. I don't think there's any question. He'll probably announce in the middle of the year. But he's got a book coming out at the end of February. Uh, Allison, you might want to try to reach out to one of his representatives. Uh, so we, I'm sure he's going to do press tour. His new book is called The Courage to Be Free. It'll be out at the end of February, at the end of this month. And um, I, I think this is a prelude to uh, him running for president. And there's no gain if he announces right now. He's got all the leverage. Ron DeSantis can wait until the very last minute if he wants to, and that's the strategy. Yeah, see, one of the reasons Donald Trump announced as early as he did is he's, he's fundraising. He's, he's got to get that money in the bank. And uh, DeSantis is sitting on a boatload of cash right now. So and two, he, Trump wanted to try to clear the field well, yeah, of some of those too, yeah. also-rans as well. But he needs, <laughs> he needs the fundraising. He does. He needs those dollars. All right, we got a couple different feuds going on here. Allison, can we get a little mood music, please? Nice. Choose your own adventure. All right. Do you want to start with Carmel against Center Grove, or do you want to start with Tucker Carlson versus Don Lemon and Don Lemon against his coworkers? Dude, I'm gonna go with Tucker. I don't. I didn't know there was a few. What do you mean, Carmel Center Grove? Well, Carmel all of a sudden has decided they don't want to play Center Grove in any sport at all ever again. Carmel saying this? Yes. They are filing for a divorce from Center Grove from athletics. Kind of like Kentucky and IU basketball? Exactly. Right. So I guess a month ago, there was a little dust up after a basketball game where Center Grove won. Students rushed to court. And Carmel's coach, for whatever reason tried to cut through the crowd and was shoulder bumping people and Carmel will also argue that it's unruly parents and behavior from Center Grove and I'm sure that has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that Center Grove beats their ass in sports (laughs) now so that's going on there so that's taken care of we've done that first now let's move on to the main event Tucker versus Don, and then Don against his co-workers. So we got a lot going on here. This was from Tucker Carlson's show last night. He laid out all of the evidence that Don Lemon, Don Lemon, on that horrible morning show on CNN, is really upset because he's not the pretty one. <laughs> we will concede we have spent many happy years making fun of Mr. Don Lemon of CNN, and at times we'll concede we've been a little cruel. But even as we have mocked him, and we have, there has been honestly an undercurrent of real affection. We kind of admired Don Lamont. 
How can a man so obviously limited have such boundless self-esteem? Doesn't he know he's an idiot? No. He has no idea. This is the guy who once suggested that a commercial airliner had been eaten by a black hole. And when people laughed at him, he seemed completely unbothered by their laughter. In a world of intellectual pretense, Don Lamont is not ashamed of being dumb, or for that matter, ashamed of anything else. When he got fired last year from his primetime gig for low ratings and reassigned to mornings, he told viewers it was a promotion, and he seemed to mean it. So whatever else you say about Mr. Don Lamont, he is unflappable, or so we assumed. It turns out there is, in fact, one thing that bothers Don Lamont, and that's not being the prettiest person on the set. So that kind of lays the groundwork. <laughs> Of where we're going here. He was talking about that uh, Malaysian Airlines flight uh, that disappeared. And Don Lemon suggested it could be a result of a black hole or a Bermuda Triangle-like occurrence. Correct. <laughs> so let's hear a little bit more of Tucker against Don Lemon. So possibly as a kind of torture, a kind of punishment, CNN's new president, Chris Licht, paired Don Lemon with two much younger much more attractive co-hosts, Caitlin Collins and Poppy Harlow. And the normally steely Don Lamont began to melt down before our very eyes. The other day, for example, after Caitlin Collins interviewed a Republican member of Congress, Don Lamont launched into an attack on Republicans that wasn't actually an attack on Republicans, but a not-so-veiled attack on his co-host, Caitlin Collins. You can't do that. Producers in the control room turned up the music to get him to be quiet. We're going to commercial now. But he shushed them to keep attacking her. Caitlin, that was a, a great interview. All right, moving on. Um, anyway, well, now moving on, because that's, listen, that's a big issue when it comes to the American. Hold on, please, with the music. That's a big issue when it comes to the American people. The American people are going to have to suffer through all of this stuff from election deniers to people who don't believe in facts. We don't have a shared reality. And now it's taken center stage to people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is Thanksgiving at the alcoholic, passive-aggressive family's house. The American people, shrieks Don Lamont. <laughs> he hates that guy, and I'm here I'm for it. I'm here for it all day. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Comedian, occasional sports talk show host, and my co-host for all Indiana bets on Wish TV is Scott Long. Hey, Scott. What's up, man? Man, it's been too long. What's the deal? I don't know. You got other people, other comedians that are uh, prognosticators, too. It's Alan <laughs> Cashman out there telling jokes. I mean, what's going on here? I see you every weekend. I don't know what you're talking about. And Yeah, I do see that. The man. biggest show of our season, the season finale of All Indiana Bets, the Super Bowl edition is coming up this Sunday, my friend. Are you allowed to say Super Bowl? Are we no. allowed to say Super Bowl? You just said it. We can, but Scott and I can't uh, this weekend. Oh, on the TV well, show. Well, we're not supposed to. <laughs> but uh, Scott, the over-under on Scott saying it was uh, two. And uh, I stayed under. I only said it once. <laughs> you guys and, You guys already, uh, taped the, you already taped the special? We, we did tape it. Uh, Hammer was nice enough to help me out with that because – I'm doing some uh, stand-up comedy at a cattleman's event in Nebraska. There'll be about 400 people that look like they're from the set of Yellowstone. I'll be doing that cool. show. Does anybody still make J.R. Ewing references, or is it all Yellowstone now? 
It's yeah. Well, the only people that do J.R. Ewing references are you and Rob Kendall, who don't watch Yellowstone, and <laughs> say it's just Dallas. Right. So, so wait a minute. Back to your flub. Uh, so, first of all, I want an All Indiana Bets blooper reel. I mean, because <laughs> most of the shows you do were live, right? Right. Correct. They're all live, except for like we've done maybe two or three. Uh, there wouldn't be a good blooper reel now before the show reel would be great and would get us taken off of every kind of media platform in the world. You talk about getting canceled. The stuff that goes on before the show, <laughs> hot damn. I, I, by the way, uh, since this was your last show, I know you guys had that set there at Wish TV with a bar behind you. Hammer brought all the uh, uh, all the bottles back with us. It's <laughs> currently in our office right now. Thank you for that, Scott. It was so – I mean – I'm I'm walking out. I don't know if this was with you, Hammer, because Hammer's like, hey, I'm going to take a couple. And he gave me one like it's like, hey, I'll get in less trouble, I guess, if and somebody's <laughs> upset. You know, he's he's that kid. He's like, I'm going to take two. You take one. We're going to cross the border. So, <laughs> Hammer, so I'm walking out, Hammer, and there's like two young broadcaster types, you know, probably straight out of college. And I'm walking around with basically uh, the Evan Williams fireball you know, in my hand. <laughs> and it's, it's not even a new bottle. It's half filled. <laughs> like I've been drinking it on the, like I brought it in like my lunch. <laughs> And it was kind of a power move, I think, on my behalf, because as I was leaving, I turned to you and I tossed you a bottle like the old Mean Joe Green commercial where he tosses <laughs> oh, his was. jersey and he gets a Coke in return. Yes. And, no, it that's what the show's like. We're, we're just the – I made a joke during the show that uh, Phil Sanchez had given me 20 bucks because – uh, there was no way anybody would have ever thought we could have lasted two years on live TV. But we have. I don't know how it worked. So either the last one show? is the Super Bowl. Yes, 11 o'clock this Sunday, the big game special, as we have to call it on TV. Now, Scott, for somebody who only bets maybe on this game or very little bets throughout the year, Give me some advice. Like, we're not going to ask you to do picks because we're going to do that on the television show. But what's right. some advice you can give somebody that doesn't wager a lot, but they want to be in the mix this Sunday? Well, if you're just like a real casual better, I think it's the best, you know, the best day ever because there's so many different options. And I mean, you know, if you if you want to bet on the, uh, you know, the national anthem time, if you want to bet on, you know, differing things that don't even have to do with sports. Coin toss. It kind of, yeah, the coin toss. Well, that's always a hammer special. Yes. Uh, which he, he, he's going to give on the TV show. But um, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of a really cool thing, and it kind of demonstrates, I think the NFL should spend more time trying to promote it that way. They're always trying to look to get new people hooked. Hey, you want to get people hooked and have fun. It's like to throw $5 down on this or that. And it's like, wow, this game really gets more exciting. You don't even have to know football strategy or anything. Like there's so many gambling shows, Nigel, that's on uh, differing networks. Yeah. Our show instead is kind of like the gateway to the, the person who's not that interested in the statistics and things like that. And somehow my betting records Way better than all these experts. I have no clue. It might be me taking bottles of liquor home. Here, here's what happened to me last night, because it's been an ongoing bit 
it's a real thing on this show this week is that I bet a, a large amount um, in an emotional heated state. Um, Fancy talk for drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but I said on the air earlier, I go, my wife never listens. I'll tell you how much. I bet $400 on the Eagles to win it outright. Money wow. line. I emptied the account. And uh, we're at dinner last night at Chewy's. And she gets a text. And she looks up at me and she goes, $400, huh? <laughs> and my face, you know, the blood rushed into my I, I, mean, I just turned ashen gray that's just go, a radio bit honey that's all that it is she has co-workers yeah. she the, the co-workers of hers listened to the show <laughs> and sold me out had, you you probably had to buy the lobster nachos after that huh <laughs> so <laughs> like, what are you, honey, what? Honey, you top shelf margaritas whatever you need babe uh real quick before we let you go here scott Halftime show. Are you one of yes. these guys like Nige where you're oh, never yeah. going to be happy unless it's Foo Fighters and a Molly Hatchet cover band? You got to understand, Nige, it's yeah. not about you. You're going to watch the damn game, right? Oh, yeah. You're going to watch it no matter what. Anyway. They're trying to get people like my youngest daughter to watch. They're trying to get 14-year-olds. Yeah. You should be lucky that they don't have some, you know <laughs> – 13-year-old TikTok sensation that's doing it because if they really wanted to grab people, they would do it that way. Maybe, you know, TikTok's owned by China. Maybe they drop them down in like a spy balloon in the stadium at halftime. It would be exciting. All right, Scott. The big show. It's coming up Sunday, 11 o'clock. Wish TV, the season finale of all Indiana bets. What can we expect on the show? I never know, and I just taped it i mean that'll give you an idea of how we drink a lot on that show we do and here's the other part this guy had never um the the camera guy had never done our show because we did it last night and he was a little concerned about it i'm like you don't understand this is an easy show and he's like God, that was fun, and you guys are good because we never look in the teleprompter ever because that would take us writing stuff ahead of time. <laughs> Everything is free form, off the top of our head. We do the research during the week, but I'm too blind, and I'm too vain to wear my glasses the whole show, so i got to just remember stuff and throw it out. Scott Long, you're the best. Thanks, Scott. 11 o'clock, Wish TV on Sunday. Have a good weekend, my friend. Love you guys. Talk to you. Bye. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm pretty good drinking beer. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Special in-studio guest. This is pretty cool. Uh, Julia Whitson is the executive director of Brewers of Indiana Guild. Hello, Julia. How are you? Hi. Thank you what so a, much for having me. That's a cool job title. Executive director of the Brewers of Indiana Guild. Can we be friends? <laughs> we can. The Brewer, What is the Brewers of Indiana Guild? So, the Brewers of Indiana Guild is a trade association. 
um, statewide, and we represent all of the craft breweries across the state. Because when you mention that job title to people like Nigel and I, in our mind, your job's to sit back in the office, prop your feet up, <laughs> you're cracking beers left and right, you're all bossing people around. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite like that. <laughs> no, no. Are you allowed to uh, sample beers on the job at Sometimes. the uh, at the uh, Brewers of Indiana Guild? Here's the deal. I have a lot of meetings in the afternoons at 3.30 at a brewery. <laughs> That's Understood. Awesome. Such a cool. How did you get this gig like i mean are you what's your background so my background is in nonprofit management okay um, so i've worked in in multiple trade associations before in the construction industry in the wastewater industry um uh child services things like that um so i came to them yep. saying hey let me run your organization where is, really where fun. is where are you set up at our office is in anderson okay mm-hmm. all right and so the reason you are here today is a little thing uh, going on uh, tonight and tomorrow out at the state fairgrounds called Winterfest. Yes, I'm not sure I'd call it little, but yeah, it's huge. It's huge, and I'm very excited. I'm just like saying there's going. a little football game this weekend. <laughs> yeah, this is, is there a, a big little football game this <laughs> extravagant <laughs> mamma jamma happening at the fairgrounds, uh-huh. and it's Winterfest. Tell us about Winterfest. Winterfest is amazing, and if you haven't been, you probably should come. So Saturday, we will welcome 85 craft breweries from the state of Indiana, all Indiana breweries. Um, they'll line up along the West Pavilion, and we will have about 5,500 people attend and sample hundreds of different wow. varieties of craft beer. Nice. Six. Yeah. I'm going to make a confession here, and I feel ashamed um, that I'm uh, even talking about this on the air, but that's what I do. I'm honest. I, we talk about our lives we on the air, our personal lives. lives on the Hammer and Nigel show. I've never been to a uh, like a beer fest of any kind whatsoever. Well, it's about time we change that. <laughs> I find that hard to believe because you take your kids to the movies and you drink at the theater. <laughs> You're telling me I you've only, never been to a beer festival? I only go to movie theaters that serve beer so I can suffer through the uh, the kids' movies. The yes, cartoons, it's true. Yeah. And then my wife will drive home. Now, okay? you've, we've been to festivals before, but, Julia, but never, but never a specific like beer festival like this is this weekend. What makes this different than, say, your average festival that has like a beer garden? So it's different because it's bigger, first of all. It's different because it's hosted by the Guild, and we do the best festivals, for sure. I think another thing that makes it really unique is we only allow Indiana breweries in. So a lot of festivals that you'll go to will have um, guest breweries from other states. or Right, areas. I like that. Suck it, Kentucky. Yeah. You hear that? <laughs> you losers in Michigan, you're not welcome They're this weekend. They're friends, too, for sure. But we have so many great, um, great breweries here across the state that it just makes sense to highlight the people who are in our communities. I, so. Are there more? It seems like there's more breweries than what will be represented at Winterfest. There's so many, like every corner I turn around and and they still keep growing, I feel like. They're thriving They're popping up everywhere. It's an awesome industry. We have um, over 210 craft breweries in the state right now. So just shy of half will be at the event, which is pretty good. Is the industry still growing? Because it felt like maybe a year or two ago, there were so many different types of local craft breweries popping up that the market couldn't sustain as many people that were popping up. It is still growing. Uh, We have a handful of breweries. You could check out our our list online of people who are affiliated with the Guild, but every, I don't know, every month or so we have what we call a brewery in planning uh, join the association, and that's a a group who's getting their their things together to open up, and uh, the permits being filed are, they just continue to grow. What kind of things does the 
the Brewers of Indiana Guild do for the breweries that you represent? So we do a variety of things. One, uh, one of our key things that we provide for breweries is education, networking, training for them. So we give them venues to join together, learn from one another, network, sample beers, um, and just provide education in in running a great brewery, like the business side, right? And um, kind of the technical brewing side too, which is pretty cool. Uh, we also provide opportunities like Winterfest or other events like that, where we can connect the breweries with the, with the consumers, right? So share what they're doing, all the great things that are happening in their places, um, in their communities with the people across the state, which is pretty fun. So Winterfest uh, tonight uh, and tomorrow, are there still tickets available for tonight's event at the State Fair? Yeah, so tonight's event is Winter Woodlands. Um, It's a smaller VIP cocktail type um, reception. We will have some additional guests with us um, this evening. So Spirits, Wine are joining us tonight. So it's a little bit smaller, closer feel, um, and pretty fun. And those tickets are still available online. You can get those at drinkin.beer. Um, and then, obviously, tickets for Winterfest will be available uh, today and tomorrow at the door um, at the State Fairgrounds. And it looks so. like you caught a break with the weather, because even though it's yes. a little schizophrenic, you know, it's 60 <laughs> one minute, 32 the next, it's not like it's minus 30 No, outside. it's actually going to be really great. And we get the lines going pretty quick. So, you get there. Yeah, we t- try not to make you wait outside for too long. Tell so. me tell me what, like, as a, a rookie, a novice going to one of these things, because I'm going with some buddies that have been before. They're okay. so fired up to go, awesome. by the way. And, and so, they got the early pass, too. By the way, that's that, that's how hardcore they. That's were. really like, excellent because like, they're sold out. Yeah, early yeah. Passes, the, uh, you can't get those anymore. Yeah, so so uh, they. I mean, as soon as they were available, these guys that I go with, uh, Justin and Donnie, are diehards. Awesome. Um, so a rookie like me, how does it work when I walk in? Okay, so I'm gonna give you like the biggest tip. Take your ticket to one of our pre-banding locations on either Friday night or Saturday morning. Um, those are all listed online. So you take your ticket with you to a brewery who is setting up shop. We have some volunteers there. They'll check your ID. They'll scan your ticket and they'll give you your wristband right there on your arm on Friday night or Saturday morning. That gets you into the fast pass lane. Nice. At, at oh. the, a fast the, pass for yes. beer drinkers. So, Let's yes. go. So there's so, Let's go. So tonight, tomorrow, there's different breweries you could go to before you go to the state fair and they can get you all hooked in exactly so on friday night you can uh stop over at tomlinson tap room taxman city way or two toms and fishers um check out the the guild table right we'll have volunteers there they'll scan your ticket check your id give you your wristband and then on saturday when you arrive you get in the pre-band line and it's a lot quicker what time does the event uh, end uh tonight and saturday like we don't get off the air until seven o'clock so if we get out there tonight how gotcha. much time do we have pre-banding tonight is from 5 30 to 8 at the three locations i mentioned saturday morning pre-banding is 11 to 1 at blind Albury. Right now, Cameron and Nigel present oh, oh, oh. Beer Sample Fry Day. I got some beers, let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people, come down, get you some Favorite segment of the week on the Hammer and Nigel show Beer Sample Friday, brought to you by our friends at Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus We have a special in-studio guest Julia is the executive director of the Brewers of Indiana Guild. We have Winterfest going on this weekend at the State Fairgrounds. Quickly reset what Winterfest is, because I'm a rookie. 
I'm a novice. I've never been to one of these things. What can I expect? You're going to love it. Winterfest, 85 breweries joining us at the State Fairgrounds in the West Pavilion from 1 to 6, 2 to 6 for general admission. On Saturday, um, about 5,500 people. So you'll be there with all of your closest craft beer loving friends and you get to sample hundreds and hundreds of different varieties of beer and is is there food at this event too I'm there assuming? are snacks available there yeah. are concessions yes but lots of people bring those uh pretzel necklaces so we would, <laughs> we would recommend you doing that. have you seen those hammered they usually I've, I've seen guys do this before be, to, to just you know keep a steady solid base and wash your palate and right. cleanse your palate and then you get some food in your stomach as you're sampling what kind of like what size of a glass do you get so our, our early entry uh everything is a three ounce sample pour our early entry Entry gets a very cool pint glass with a cool. three ounce line on it that will will just pour samples, and the uh, general admission will get a really cool branded taster glass. I have one of those batting helmets where you can put two beers in. Is that allowed into the <laughs> fairgrounds? The straws that go no, down into your not permitted. <laughs> okay, just but making that sure. That sounds very cool. All right, I, I've got uh, just a just a small sampling of some of the breweries and beers that will be there. Can we start with um, the Blood Orange? Is my favorite. Is it? Yeah. Look, I, we, I I knew that it was like a it was just in the back of my mind. Like that's my favorite style. Crack it of open, craft oh, There, so you go. Do you, would you like to sample one with us here, Julie? Of course. There you Pass go. that down, and this is the uh, Blood Orange IPA from Centerpoint. Is this correct? That's correct. All right. Oh man, this smells so good. This smells Tell me so what it good. is. Can you you know a blood or- blood orange is like a, a style of IPA, right? It is. I think it's kind of popular. You'll see a few breweries kind of pop- oh, popping up with man. the citrus. So this is from Center Point. It is. People love that citrus flavor. It feels like I'm yeah. a health nut when I drink the orange IPA. <laughs> right, yeah. It's got fruit in it. Right. All right. right. Um, dark English mild ale uh, from Distant Early Warning is what well, we're sampling next. For, well, it's called Distant Early Warning. Okay. From Windmill Brewing. In Dyer, Indiana. Where's that from? Dyer, Indiana. Now, I'm an Indiana lifer, but yet the only time I learn about new cities is when I'm talking about beers or there's severe weather going on (laughs) in the state of Indiana. Beer's more fun. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like a lot of these smaller towns have these, these brewers that pop up. And it's a destination. It's, it's an experience for people to come in from out of town to go to. It totally is. And I brought you some samples from all over the state. And that's one of the cool yeah. things about Winterfest and about the Guild is that we support breweries from South Bend all the way to Evansville and down to Jeffersonville. So. Oh, you like this one, Hammer? It's oh. good. It's good. And God bless you because you brought the beers in cold. Mm. Now, some of our guests, God bless them, we're thankful for everybody that comes through and helps us out on this show, but they don't bring it cold. <laughs> and, you know, we're such spoiled brats that if we have to get it cold ourselves, we're upset. You know <laughs> the game. This is why you get paid the big bucks as the executive director. You brought it cold. Beer is best enjoyed chilled. Nige, can I request one over yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have the Burnham from the Michigan City area? Uh, is that what this is? That is what that is. Okay, Bur- Michigan okay. City, home Dark of, of the the, um, the death chamber in the state of Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, great. Let's they've got celebrate a, They've that. got a death row up at Michigan City. What, are we, what kind of style is this, Julia? This is called Dark Side of the Moo. It is a chocolate milk stout. <laughs> oh, oh, baby. Okay. Bring that bad boy over here. Chocolate milk stout from Michigan City, Burnham. Cheers, everybody. So that's a very another cool thing about winter. Man, this is going to get me in trouble. Yeah, the chocolate is is really going to get me in trouble. This is one of those beers where after you've just like 
killed about two of them. Oh, I don't feel anything <laughs> at all. Next thing you know, you're walking home with no pants on. Hammer, how, how are we doing on time? Do we have time for this last one? We got two minutes. Okay, two minutes. Two. Uh, all right, this last one. What are we looking at here, Julia? This is called Snowplowed by Matt Anthony in Fort Wayne. Snowplowed. Snowplowed. Winter ale. Plural. Very fitting for February. It's got a snowman on it, driving a snowplow. All right. There you go. Thank you, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's an insane uh, uh, joke there. Oh, man, this um, is good, too. T- tell me about Snowplowed. Is this what kind of... Snowplowed is a winter ale. Winter so, ale. What does All that right. mean? It's a dark... Like, it's a, it's a dark ale. It, it means it's Fair better in the winter when it's cold. Works so. for me. You can just lie to me, and I'm going to say, "All right, sounds good to me," because it's good. It's delicious. Oh wow. Oh man. So one more time here. That's a lot of beer. If anybody wants to do what we're doing right now and just sample awesome, amazing Indiana beverages here, what's going on? Winterfest, Saturday, February 11th, two to six. Uh, tickets are still on fail on sale. Drinkin.beer slash Winterfest. Julia, you have an open invitation on this show. Anytime you want to come so by. Excited. Anytime when the, the Brewers of Indiana Guild wants to uh, to hang out. And bring open a cooler in. of beer. Well, that might be the only stipulation. I, <laughs> I, I mean, we like you, too. Thank don't, you. Yes. don't get us wrong. You're very cool. nice. Thank you so much. Thank and uh, yeah, hey, Winterfest that's going on. I'm going to see you Saturday. I'll be there. I, I can't wait. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.